0: Whoa. Let there be light. I was there from the beginning. Um, I'm kidding. I'd have a fig leaf on if I was there from the beginning. That would not be pretty. (laughs) Talk about lack of joy. Um, Anyways, we are going to have some fun today because I will tell you, I hope my prayer is that you feel a sense of joy from me being around y'all. Y'all fill me with joy. So I feel so blessed to be here because we're going to kind of dive in and figure out what it is to be joyful, what it is versus happiness. I will tell you, happiness is an outside job. Happiness is uh, partly cloudy with a chance of happiness. It's fleeting, it's unreliable, you can't count on it. One second it's here and one second it's gone. It's like when your kids obey and then the next minute they do something that's so out of character or in character and you're like, brats, here we go again. So joy is very different. Joy comes from the Lord. The source of joy is always from the Lord. And so that's kind of what we're going to dive into. Um, okay. Oops, I'm trying to go backwards. There is no backwards. Christy, let's see, maybe. Okay. We had a little technical difficulty. I had a little technical get difficult, difficulty when I put this on. I had it backwards. So Allison said, you're not technologically savvy. And I said, you're just figuring that out. It's not good. I'm like Lucy and my husband's Ethel. Speaking of Ethel, this is my family. Uh, sweet Sally, the tallest one there. Gracie looks tall, but she's actually real, a little. she's fun-sized. Sally is tall and fabulous, and she's at A&M. So if anybody wants to... W- I whoop too. I know it's not, you're not supposed to be able to do that, but when your money goes to A&M, you can whoop. Uh, then I've got Gracie in the middle. She's 13. And then I've got my precious 16-year-old boy, Blaine. And then my lovely husband that's just a, my rock and just such an encourager. So, and then there's me. And so this is my sweet family. And I have to say, that is how they look. They love each other. And that's what I'm probably most proud of is that they love each other and they enjoy each other and there's a lot of joy in our home. And that is because of the Lord. Um, I, I read a book this summer, or actually not this summer. In October, I got a book thinking my mom's had cancer the last three years, and I bought a book called Choose Joy. And that's what kind of started me on this journey, because my mom's had cancer. I've seen a lot of life change in my family. I was raised in a Christian, I was raised in a church going home, but maybe not a Christian home. I wouldn't say that we were seeking after Christ all our, I didn't see that in my parents. We were taken to church on Sundays, we were checked the box, going Down the road. Um, And so I swear it was I figured out real quick. I mean, when you figure out that happiness, and I was just going to go back to the happiness thing real quick, if you were out in the desert and you were walking along and you were thirsty and God gave you, or not God, but just me came up and gave you just a little drink of water. It says, Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but Really, whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling to eternal life. If I told you right around the corner you were going to get this vat of just living water that was going to sustain you, because joy is something that runs very, very, very deep. So Kay Warren's definition of joy was joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately, it doesn't say that it's just going to be okay, but ultimately it's going to be okay, and the determined choice to praise Him in all things. I think that's such a great definition because it really, you know, I think God really does not want us to get up caught up in all the details of our life. He just doesn't want us to do that. I think we sell ourselves short. He is a God of order and a God of details, And so a funny thing is at work, a girl that I've worked with for like 20, I've been there 28 years as a dental hygienist. She's been there 25. Her husband died unexpectedly about three years ago. And she, she, when I showed up at the funeral, she looked at me and she stood up and she was not a believer, but she said, Millie, I finally get it. I get it all these years I thought you were crazy because I'd come into work and I'd say, she'd say, oh, all your patients canceled day." And I said, oh, it's okay. The Lord will work out the details. And then three people would show up and say, I have an appointment today. And she's like, no, you don't. She's like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? But it's true. God does work out all the details. And if we're trying to orchestrate and work out the details, it's never going to work out the way God wanted it. And so I would just encourage y'all, Trust in his plan. Joy is about trusting. It really is about trusting. I love this because, you know, I think we're kind of, I'm kind of. In some ways, kind of like a Peter. You know, here Peter was, he was a professional fisherman. So he got out one day and he got some of the disciples and they went out on the boat and they worked all day. They had thrown that net, they had tried to catch the fish, and so Jesus is kind of standing on the bank over there and he's waiting patiently and they're not sure who Jesus is, but they think that he is what he says, what he claims to be, the son of God. But so they're just sitting there, they go out and fishing. And so finally Peter comes in, he's like, well, the fish just weren't biting today. And Jesus says, cast your net on the other side. And immediately they had 150 something fish in the net. They couldn't even pull it up. It, the net didn't break. He had all these fish. And so sometimes I think that's what happens with us, guys. We go all day and we're just working, working, working so hard when what we needed to do was start with the Lord we got to start with the Lord. He's over here saying, I mean, I can't tell you all the promises in the Bible. I always kind of am reading the Bible and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is my new favorite verse. I've got to memorize this. Oh my gosh, this is my new favorite verse. So how many of y'all feel that way? This, it's life-giving. God's word and promises is life-giving. And so where, where did you cast your net this morning? Was it on the right side? Did you ask the Lord, where do I cast my net? Or did we just do what we, oh, I'm the mother, I know how to do all this. We cast it on the wrong side when God's got all this blessing on the other side. I love it when you think about because sometimes when I'm out there running, I mean, this is probably before y'all's time, but you know, before iPads and all that, we used to play like hide and seek and those silly little games outside. And you know, there's nothing like you know hiding the guy that's hiding and you're trying to hide from him, and then he's uh, you know counting one, two, whatever, 10, nine, eight, seven. and then the minute there's always that tree that's a safe base. And so really, when you get, when you see an opening, like when he goes over there, you're like running, like mad to get back to that tree, because that's safe. That's the Lord. That's the Lord for each one of us. And if you've accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, girls, joy is your birthright. That's, that's what God wants for us. He doesn't want, I mean, we are some people's only hope to get to know Christ. How are we doing how are we doing? I love this. It says, "Your salvation requires you to turn back to me and stop your little silly efforts to save yourself. Your strength will come from settling down in complete dependence of me, the very thing that you have been unwilling to do. Come on, professional mamas, we're going out here and we're doing all this. And at the end of the day, we're like, "Oh my gosh, I can't do this anymore. Did you start with Christ? I know a lot of times I don't, and at the end of the day, I'm learning. I've had my hand slapped a few times. I'm a little bit, a few steps ahead of y'all, and I'm saying, come on, ladies, let's get this right from the beginning. I didn't have some of the vat that y'all have of information and of truth, so I'm begging y'all, run back to base. Run back to that safe tree that the Lord provides for us on dependence. You know, look at here's Mary. You know what did Mary say? I mean, uh, the Lord said. I mean, really, he, the, when the angel came and said you're going to bear the, the the Christ child, I mean, you were going to be, you were the chosen one. Her first response was, "How can this be? I would have been scared to death when I looked at that picture of Mary." Because I always have a little worldly disappointment phase. Now, 20 years ago, when my husband lost his job, I was in the fetal position for two weeks. He lost his job in October. And I was like, you know what? I miss Jojo, my lady over here. She didn't want me to say her, but she always tells me when the Lord cancels my day of work, she cleans houses. She says, he's given me the day off. Well, he gave my husband seven months off, but I mean, that wasn't what we had planned, but it was okay because I was trusting more. I thought, man, this is his plan. But what she ended up saying was, Because the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Lord will come upon you. And she said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Are we saying that today? Or do we fish all day with our net on the left of the boat when we should have had it on the right? I mean, can't we just take this from Mary and can, can we sit there and say and look at the Lord with confidence, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I think really, I was really moved as far as, um, I think we should all write an I believe statement. I don't know, this isn't my I believe statement, but it's just some I believe things I saw. And I think we need to write what we believe. Do we believe, I mean, some of our faith guys right now, and I'm not knocking it because when I look back when I was in your life stage, Some of our I believe statement would just say, I think God's going to meet me at the gate. I don't really think, I think I've got eternal life kind of up there. I think that's in store for me, but I don't know that God can really navigate the here and now. So write what you believe because it'd be awesome every time we back ourselves in that corner if we could pull that out and I believe your word is true. I believe it is reliable. I believe that you died on the cross as a provision for my sins, that I'm a sinner. Whatever that is for you, focus on who God is, his worth, his word, his works, his ways, and his will to you. Because your, your I believe statement is not going to look like Randy's or Julie's or Jackie's or Allison's. It's all going to look different. It's not going to look like mine. We've all had different, you know, uh, different lives that we, different journeys that we've traveled. So just sit down. I think it'd be worth the time to sit down and write an I believe statement. Um, I think there's two things that are very practical things that I want y'all to really take note of. One is I think that you really need to root yourself. Root yourself, immerse yourself in God's word. This is where you're gonna experience the most joy. If you will be digging all the time. You know, I challenged my good and angry group the other day, about, you know, they were thinking, oh, I'm not very good at memorizing scripture. And I was like, you know, don't memorize it for you. Memorize it to give it away. There's no way, if you memorize a scripture today and you think, okay, Lord, give me somebody to give it away to, I promise you he'll be faithful. And the more you give it away, the more you just want to give it away. I mean, the other day we were in community group and somebody was struggling with something and I happened to have these cards printed up that said, I will praise you because I'm fearfully, wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. And I had it just printed for my little group at, um, for my little Wednesday morning Bible study. But it was, it was food and, and fruit for these women that I'm in community with. And they were like, how did you have that in your purse? And I said, I don't know, I had some extras and here you go because they needed that and I needed to hear it too. So your fruit is gonna resemble the vine from which it's connected. And this is what it's gonna look like. Girls, joy runs deep. Joy isn't surface. It runs deep. So you want your roots to get down in there and tap into that joy because that's going to fuel your fruit. And I'm guaranteeing you, the deeper you go, the more your tree is going to bear fruit. So let your roots grow down in him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. And that's gratitude. So so um, root yourself. That's the first thing. Then... The next thing is, okay, so what you do today may bear fruit, but what you fail to do today will never do fruit, never bear fruit. So there are two rules. You got to get started and you got to keep going. I love when Todd says um, about uh, what, what, how does he say it? Because I'm not going to say it right. Well, I'll come back to that because I won't say it right. But anyway, so just the thing, get start. Oh, if you like where you're going, if you like what you're getting, keep doing what you're doing. If you keep doing what you're doing, you're not going to like what you get. So it's all about continuing to dig deeper and deeper and, you know, trim back the weeds and tr- prune, the, you know, the trees and that kind of thing because that's where you're going to get the most beautiful fruit. The next thing I think you've got to do is you've got to remember. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. A few years ago, I really was, I said something about, you know, uh, believe me, I've had a lot of desert moments this last year. But I said I was going to get dessert for the desert. And I was going to start keeping a book that my kids and I could look back on and have it in a notebook that I could go back on and pull out and remember all the great things that God had done for my family. Because you know what, guys? We think we're supposed to pursue God all day. He is pursuing us in every minute with a flower or a, a smile from your baby or this or that. And we're missing these little bitty things that we should be in tune with. So remember what he has done and, and allow that to fill you with joy. This is, I just pulled one of my things from my little book. When my dad had open heart surgery seven years ago, I was just beside myself. I called Jill Moore on a Monday morning and I said, Jill, I knew she was going to BSF. I knew she was going to be with powerful prayer warriors. I said, you got to lift up my dad. He's going an open heart surgery. I was scared to death because my dad didn't know Christ. So... I asked her for prayer and uh, I got back home. Everything went fine. Um, And it was funny because when we were in the waiting room, my mom, I would go over and my mom, she knew that I prayed a lot. And so my mom wasn't comfortable with prayer. So she'd see another family that was struggling. She'd go, hang on, let me go get my daughter and she'll pray for you. And I was like, mom, I mean, but it was just this funny thing that she knew that I was comfortable. I was willing to get on my knees for any family there. So when I got home, three nights in a row, I kept feeling the Lord at three in the morning. Thank you. Millie, get on your knees and pray. And I said, Lord, I'm comfortable right here. I don't need to get on my knees. Get on your knees and pray. So I would not you know, I did. I obliged. I got down on my knees, said a little prayer. So Blaine and I went out to breakfast on a Friday morning and I told Blaine, I said, Blaine, the Lord keeps telling me at 3 in the morning to get on my knees and pray. And I keep arguing with him. And he's like, really? And I said, yes, it's weird. I keep feeling this nudge. Get on your knees. Get on your knees. So on Saturday, this was Friday morning. I hadn't shared it with anybody because I thought they might think I was crazy. Saturday, Blaine goes out to get the mail. And he comes in and he says, "Oh, you, gotta, you know, he kind of throws a card to me. And I open it up. It's from Susan Fuchs, who was the head leader at BSF. So I knew Jill had delivered my news to pray. And this was the card. God always answers his knee mail. And I just started crying and blank. I was like, oh my goodness. And I threw that over to my husband. He goes, wow, I would not have believed that if you hadn't told me. If I told him about it after the fact, why'd she pick out that card, you know? And in the, in the inside, it says, his, in the scope of his wisdom and plan, I fall to my knees and cry out to my father. God had been faithful. And do you know, seven years after that, my dad was diagnosed with leukemia last October, and do you know how faithful God's been? My parents are back in church after 40 years. So I'm telling you ladies, he's real. He is active and living. And so don't discount that. I want to remember. I don't want to ever forget. I want to be able to show my kids faithfulness. So remember. Because he's doing, he's not, he didn't pick me. I'm not the chosen one for anything. But I want to live with my eyes wide open. I don't want to miss this. Because this is what roots and grounds me. It's truth. And when I see him actively working in my life, and I bet I could go to every table and have every one of you ladies stand up and share a story and you could do it. So don't forget those stories. Write them down. Remember them. I don't care if you're a journaler, if you, I don't care how you do it, but remember them. I I swear, I say this picture is what started my whole thing with, I'd gone to take a picture of my kids for a Christmas card, I'm just going to tell this because I see so much, this picture, a a picture tells a thousand words, this has told two thousand words. Um, I am a perfectionist. And I look at that picture and I see it. And I see where God's brought me since that picture. I just started BSF about six months after this picture, thank goodness. And this picture tells me that we had taken two shots and she was not happy about it. Grace wasn't. And neither were my kids. They were like, oh, this is not going well. My mom is not going to be happy because she is a perfectionist. And, and I was the one that took six rolls of film. This is before digital cameras. And the the Walgreens guy was, again, Really? Yep, another, another two rolls, just take them. I wanted, to, I wanted to be sure people thought we had the perfect home. I mean, come on. But that picture has taught me that God took. That God has taken me a long, a long journey, and I've got a lot longer to go, but I see that picture, and, and I've learned to let a lot of stuff go and enjoy my people. And so that picture, and and we did end up using that as our Christmas card, and people still come up and me your picture. We still have that. It is my favorite picture. But we had let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with us. <laughs> so, girls, this is your season. This is where you are. Don't miss it. This is a beautiful. That picture is. It's like in three places in my house. I love a constant reminder. Um. You know, I see, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him. Do you know that joy he had on his mind was you and me? You know, sometimes I think we we don't get that. The joy, when he went to the cross, he went for you and me, and he had joy about it. And sometimes I think we have got the good news in our hearts, and we walk around Oh, all hacked off because our husband didn't take out the trash. I mean, come on, girls, we've got good news. Let's tap into that joy. Let's experience it. Let's give it away. Let's encourage somebody. I mean, we're all kind of in the same boat. And I love this. When he left, when he left... Us, he looked at his disciples and said, I'm telling you nothing but the truth when I say that it is profitable for you that I go away. Because if I do, don't, do not go away, then the comforter, grab one of those. What, what would speak to you this morning? Comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener will come to you. But if I go away... I will send him to you. If I don't go, he's not going to come. But if I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. So which one of those? Grab one of those today and tuck it in your heart. Everybody that knows Christ today. And if you don't, we are going to, there'll be a mentor mom or there'll be somebody on leadership. I would love to talk to anybody. Let's, let's figure out truth right now and let's begin a life with Jesus. And so here we go. He's leaving. So he's saying, it's going to come to you. I love this picture because the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. And I love when Todd Wagner says, it's not fruits, it's fruit. So you get all those things. And my husband has been kind of sick. I mean, not sick, but he's just lost a lot of weight. And so recently I had this great idea to buy this juicer. It was just going to be great for, for everybody. Of course, I knew everybody, but my husband and I were going to be the only ones. He hates vegetables. But I juice kale and all this stuff, and we've been doing it for six weeks. And you think I had a lot of energy eight weeks ago? you should see me now. I understand when God talks about taste and see that the Lord is good, when you fuel your body with good nutrition and good food and his words, I love in Jeremiah 15, 16, it talks about when your words came, I ate them. They were my heart's delight and joy or my heart's joy and delight. Um, I'm just kind of learning that one, so pardon me. But I love. I understand that. I understand that. You know, there's nothing like when you're sitting at a table and somebody gives you a scripture, and you, it's life giving. When you know the Lord and you love the Lord and you want to know His truth, it's life giving. So all. And so when I when my dad got diagnosed with uh, with um, leukemia back in October. Or, I guess it was November. And I had just met with my community group. Oh, you know, I don't have much for y'all to pray about. I'm doing great. Well, then my dad calls and says, I really want to come tomorrow night and see you. I'm like, Dad, it's three hours. I'm working Thursday. Wait and come Thursday. No, I really need to come tonight. Dad, why do you need to come tonight? Well, he finally told me over the phone. Well, I talk about that worldly disappointed. I pulled off in isolation. Lord. Where are you? I'm not secure on my dad's salvation yet. I don't know what is going on here. You know, I'm questioning, questioning. So I don't do anything. I go to bed. I hardly sleep that night. I take my son to a golf tournament the next morning. And so I'm sitting in the car. I text my community group. So I get out of the car at like 7.30. They tee off. I walk the golf course till three that afternoon. And I, my phone, beep, beep. And I keep looking. It's God's word for my community group. And I'm just, I mean, where I was walking like this, I am just like, I am woman, hear me roar. My God is in control of this. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you, period. My community group, you know what? They had to spoon feed me, spoon feed me. But it was with God's word. And I ran, I mean, I still remember this. I ran to my car I knew Proverbs fifteen fifteen. I couldn't remember what it said, but it said, all the days of the oppressed are wicked, but the cheerful heart has a continual feast. Girls, I had feasted on God's truth and I wrapped my arms around it and I regained it and I thought, you know what? I'm gonna love my dad, I'm gonna encourage him, I'm gonna be thankful for every day because my God's got, that. he loves my dad more than I do. And so I was so thankful that my community rounded around me. Okay, guys, we now, when you ask Christ into your heart, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. I love this image, though, because that little spark starts as like a little match. I think it continually burns inside of us, and then it goes to a bigger circle, but then if you're using it and tapping into it, I mean, how many ladies got in the car this morning and their car just miraculously drove them here? I doubt anybody. You had to ignite it. And that's what you've got to do with the Holy Spirit. You've got to rage it up. You've got to fan the fire. You've got to get it going. Because in the end, wouldn't it be great if we all had that? It's like a bonfire on the right. Oh, Aggie. No, whoop. But it's like a fire. And people are around. They want what you have when you're fanning that fire. So this great treasure, you don't want to hide that. I say, when I've said this before, but um, when I wake up, I literally, I have two name tags I wear on a consistent basis. One is, I'm here on behalf of the Lord, and the other is, my name is Millie Hale. If I don't pray about that when, before I get up in the morning, and I just grab that, my name is Millie Hale, it's not good. It's not pretty. I'm not, I can be laced with anger, frustration. One day, my, my son told me, he had gotten in trouble last year, and he said, Mom, when, like, people get in the car and everything, you're so much nicer to them. than you And I was like, thank you. I go, will you hold me accountable about that? Because I don't want to be that person. And I know it was because I had gotten on him that day about something. But he thought, you know, here I was all chipper when Preston got in the car. But when he was in the car, I was kind of downloading on it. We were having a discussion. <laughs> so I'm just saying, I want to have that top name tag on. Because it's, a, I mean, when I'm here on behalf of the Lord, it's a sweet, sweet aroma. And if I'm not, and it's for each one of y'all too, we can all be a sweet aroma. Um, I think we've got to be, God is not a ball dropper. We've got, I love Paul. Paul's like my new fella. I love the way he's so confident. You can be confident of this, that he who began a, wor- a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Okay, because ladies, let me tell you, I brought these little, my kids were so happy. I went to Party City last night. Um, I got these balloons. oh there I go again. And um, I think we juggle, we juggle all these balloons. And I think, you know, we've got balloons that say laundry and, you know, we're constantly, thank you, Julie, I don't really need to, I'm just trying to show the, the little parallel here that we have a lot of balloons that we're trying to keep in the air. And if the source of the, the blowing up the balloons is our air, then we're constantly going to be shuffling these balloons. If the, if the Lord is fueling these balloons, then it's going to be a whole different story. And so I think we have a lot of balloons that we're ju- juggling, but we have to always go back to, this should be in your belief statement. I am confident that he who began a good work in me is going to carry it to completion. We need to rest in that. oh did I mess this up? No. Nope.
1: Okay, seeking
0: joy outside of Christ and in, what do do we seek joy out of? I mean, people, possessions, positions, personalities, they will never be enough. Um, In Jeremiah 2.13, it says, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they have dug their own cisterns. And so what does that look like when we've dug our own cisterns? Um. So, I'll tell you what it'll look like is you start, that's where you, the starting, the juggling is you start running on empty. And when you run on empty, it's never good for your family. I mean, you know the old saying, if mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Well, that's the truth. So, how do, what does that look like? What does distractions look like in our lives? Well, I saw this 125 must-follow moms on Instagram, If y'all are following five moms on Instagram, y'all got a whole heap a lot of trouble because that that takes up a lot of time. You know, I didn't, I I really, when I started thinking about this, I really started praising the Lord that I didn't get a phone until I was 41. I didn't get an iPhone or a smartphone until I was 50. I'm only 51, so that was just a year ago. It's a distraction. Oh my gosh. Now, I think I, I remember their story about Howard Hendricks, he went to a really wealthy man's uh, house for dinner one night. And he said, man, this beautiful, huge home. And he said, man, you, this home is so beautiful, but I see how your, your heart is just manages this wealth so well. And you just don't seem like you're influenced by it. And he said, well, my parents taught me early on, it can either be used as a tool or an idol, all the blessings in our life. The phone can be a quite a blessing because I tell you, there's no greater joy than to, let, than to listen to a podcast when I'm running or being fueled, you know, listening to God's word and different. I mean, that podcast is like my new treasure. I love listening to something like that or just Christian music when I'm running, and I love that on my phone. So I think it can be like, like uh, Pinterest and all those things. I mean, it can be such a fabulous thing if, you, if it doesn't consume you, whatever consumes you is when it becomes a problem when it's just totally all-consuming, I think. So you've got to figure out that. The other day, speaking of runs, I dropped Gracie off. She goes to, well, she goes to school early with volleyball, and so I was going to go run from 7 to 8. And so I'm walking down the street, and I see this mom, and I wanted to stop and take a picture of her, but I thought, ooh, she may be in the group. But this little girl was like five, five steps in front of her, and she was so cute, she was probably five or six, and she kept sitting like this, she had her little backpack on. And the mom was just, she mom was looked beautiful. She was all dressed like she was going to work or something. She was just texting away texting away. And then there was a little boy that was like eight right behind her and the little boy that was about 10 and had a football right behind her. And I thought, mama, Deuteronomy 6 said, talk about it when you walk along the road. What are you doing? You know, she was texting all the way down the street. And then I saw another mom. She had a backpack and a daughter and a phone in one hand. Now she wasn't texting or talking, but boy, she, that 10 minute walk, she could not leave that phone at home You know, she might get a call, an important call. Who knew? Then I see a dad walk out, and he's got two girls with him, and he's got him a cup of coffee. This is a dad that's going to, and I I took my headset off, and I said, wow, you got a good-looking crew. And he said, I know it. And I thought, good for you. I wanted to go over and high-five him, but then I thought he might think I was kind of weird. But I I thought, I don't care. So iPhones, technology, iPads, all that can be a good thing if we don't miss out. I thought, this, this is so telling. How many times you were sitting there and your kids are going, there's no substitute, ladies, for eye contact. Your kids get, I'm so glad. If I'd had a phone, I probably would have been on it. But I didn't miss out on that good sugar from that fella. And, I, you know, and Sally, because I loved her and had great conversation and eye contact with her, look at her with her brother. She is so, and they have the sweetest relationship. They love each other so much. But look at this mother. She's busy in the little... Like, mom, mom, remember me? You know, remember me? Um, that's what your kids are saying. That's what they're saying right now. I want you. I want you. I want you. I want all of you. I'm selfish. I love you. And that's what Jesus is saying too. He wants a lot of you too. But you know what? When you get, get filled up from Jesus... You've got that to give to them. It starts with where you get your feeling from. Uh, we went to the beach one summer with, a couple summers ago with my parents, and it was with, you know, after my mom had cancer. And I had taken these pictures of Gracie, and I just thought this was so Hebrews twelve one and two. It was so, you know, We're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Don't let the sin that so easily entangles you get caught up in it. I mean, turn your eyes upon Jesus. There's a lot of times I just sing that to myself when I feel distracted. But look at Gracie. When she's walking to the sun, you barely see her image. And I really wasn't, I was taking a picture of the sunset. Didn't even really think about Gracie walking there. But you can see it's at the same time because the same little man or whoever's in the background. But look at when she's walking back toward me, how all consuming Gracie is, her, her image is. And so that is what's okay. My Gracie has, she looks on Instagram a lot. She's in eighth grade. She does not have a cell phone. We are the meanest parents in the world. And just for us, that's been a commitment that we've been very convicted about and we, we stand strong with it. And it is a lot, it's hard it, because it'd be a lot easier. It would have been a lot easier. My son got his first iPhone. Uh, last year, he, in the middle of the year, he's a sophomore and we just, for us, that was just a conviction that we had. It's not for everybody, but Gracie has this, she knows she shouldn't be on Instagram because she has the white picket fence syndrome. She looks at it, her friend just moved to Waxahachie and did y'all know that all the girls in Waxahachie and eighth grade girls are nice and kind. They're not mean at all. They're not, they are, they're not insecure at all. Everybody, I don't know what they're doing in Waxahachie, but we need to get there. And I'm telling Gracie, Gracie, really? you got the white picket fence syndrome, because she looks at the pictures of her friend that's in Waxahachie, and they've got it rocking, and they're all besties, and they're all, oh, BFFs, I love you, girl, you know, all that. So she's just convinced that she needs to be in Waxahachie. So I doubt we're going to be moving anytime soon, but she's got this white picket fence syndrome. And you know, when you're on the porch looking outside that house, ooh, sometimes anger, materialism, Nobody knows what goes on in your four walls. My sweet Jojo's here, and she knows what's going on in my four walls. And she's been a blessing to me. She, she came to me when uh, Sally was just uh, a little baby, and she's been a blessing to me. And I've watched her faith just explode, and that's what's so fun. Um, I asked Gracie, I said, if I told you that we could live in that white, white picket fence house, or we could live in this house, but in this house... Sometimes I eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for dinner, but there's a lot of love going on there, and there's a lot of laughter. And when you get home, you feel good, and you kick off your shoes, and it's a place where you love to be. Where would you want to live? She goes, I'd want to live in that house. I said, I'm so glad we live in that house. That's not our house, but it's a house that's filled with love and laughter. Because some of y'all been to my house, you go, that's a lie. She don't live there. But I wouldn't mind living in that house. If I could create that atmosphere, I'd be, I'll be happy to live in a tent as long as I'm content with where I am and what's going on, I'm happy to live there. So ladies, be, be happy to live there because really that, that is about possessions and it's about what happens when we get, when we're so geared on possessions and what that does to us. We're just longing for more and it's so distracting. And so I would just encourage y'all, take a good look at, at your heart and see how your heart's because we need to shift from what we want to what we have. And, there, and so I kind of did this distractions. What you need to do is you need to prioritize him. Okay, so when you're talking about uh, possessions, it's contentment and, and it's, it's gratitude. Gratitude is something that says, I'm okay with what I have. Um, I, I love this. The seed falling among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this world and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced, and that's, that's a tragedy. And then it goes on to say life is not measured, um, in Luke, life is not measured by what you own. Want what you have. I don't know what that is, but we lived in a townhouse for 13 years. We had two kids. My son slept in the bathroom for the first three months of his life, and it was, you know, but that was okay. You know, love grows best in small houses, I'm convinced of that. We moved to this house, and my son and my daughter shared a room until she was six, and their relationship. So be okay with that. It's about, you know, my daughter goes to A&M, and they just moved in a house, and I went down there, and I spent the night in her house. And so I got up the next morning, and Sally was still sleeping, and her roommate, Krista, was there, who's a kind of a new believer. And so she was sitting out there, and she's reading a book. And so we started talking. I had my Bible with me, and I was doing stuff, and she goes, she just got in this huge conversation about Christ. And I had no idea. I mean, we were talking about faith and all this stuff, and she's been to our home before, and we've had some good conversations about other things, but, uh, all, but all laced around Christ. And, and uh, so anyway, she tells Sally, she goes, Mom, she goes, it made me cry after you left. Krista said, I wish your mom was my mom. I could never have that conversation with my mom. My mom doesn't understand my faith. So girls, be open do the hard work now, because let me tell you something, when you're excited about Christ, you want to give it away. And that's just what's so sweet about it. I'd say, you know what? When you've got possessions, I would just encourage you, keep your eyes on your own paper. You know, when you envy other people and you think, you know, I was doing just fine until Jill Moore built an outdoor patio with a big, you know, whatever. And I'm like going, dang it. I liked my grass being dead. And I mean, you know, my husband is one of and I look out there and I get so frustrated with my husband because he doesn't want to do anything to our backyard. And it just, but my husband has it right. And that's what just taxed me off even more. He's been in 13 weddings and probably in 11, he's been the best man. And I'm like, he's got it. He's got his right order, his perspectives. He's got the right, he prioritized what is right and good. So I just go out there and sit on my little rocker with the torn seats. And I'm like, I'm just going to, you know what? that'd be a lot of work. I'd have to clean the pool if I had a pool, and it'd just be a lot of work. I'm just going to be grateful for what I've got. So it just is. Okay, entitlement and gratitude, I love to say this because it begins with a happy meal. For you moms with your kids, I tell you, if your seven-year-old opens a present, and they do not like that color, and they do not like that, that didn't start that day. That started when you went to the bank, and your kids got a purple lollipop and they wanted a red one you said oh do you by any chance have a red one okay great thank you I'll give them a red one you know my kids when we went to the bank and we got the dum-dums down the aisle and I held them over and they said I wanted the purple one I wanted the red one I said okay guys give them back give them back. And I just put them in the tube and sent them back and said, you know what? Thank you so much for trying to treat us today. But my kids aren't grateful. They don't have a grateful spirit today. And so we're not going to be able to accept those. The Happy Meal thing. I mean, I noticed with Sally, we'd go get a Happy Meal. She'd shank the toy in the ground. I'd go out to get all the stuff out of the car and there would be the Happy Meal toy. And I said, I'm not doing this anymore. We got the American meal. And then when she did go with a grandparent or on a birthday and she got a Happy Meal, she was so excited about the toy. But it's funny because when Gracie was three. I did that with all my kids. When Gracie was three, she went with my mother-in-law. First thing, she was so excited. She dug through and she's pulled out a matchbox car. My mother-in-law said, oh, Gracie, I'm so sorry. All they had was a boy toy. And at three, she looked at my mother-in-law and she said, I'll be grateful. So, because she knew, she knew she had been trained. Gratitude is just something. My kids, it amazes me how at Christmas, they, they get what they want most of the time. Gracie's had a phone. I mean, Sally used to put, a, I look back at our Christmas list where they would type up and Sally, since she was in sixth grade when all her friends had a cell phone, she would put cell phone at the top and she'd go, you don't have to if you don't want to. But I mean, she knew they were, they were still grateful. Whatever we chose to get them, they were going to be grateful about it. Okay, girls, busyness. We got some busyness going on in our lives. And yeah, we're juggling all these balloons and we just don't know what to do. Um, Know your season and adjust to it. Um, And we can't always be the one, if I learned anything, we can't be always the ones that give. We've got to be the ones that receive. If you've got all this big long list of stuff and you're overwhelmed, look to your husband it doesn't minimize your cape with the S on it. Just say, honey, I'm really stressed. I'm really stressed. I've got all this to do and I just don't think I could do it. Is there something you could take off my list and do it? They want to help you. It doesn't show weakness to ask for help. If a friend says, hey, I notice that you're stressed, can I bring you dinner? Say, absolutely. We love grilled chicken. We love, I mean, don't, but don't be opposed to someone reaching out to you if they know you've got a lot going on. Be receptive. It doesn't minimize who you are in Christ. Hour by hour, I place my days in your hands. If you've overloaded your schedule, Gracie is overloaded right now, and I would have never done that to her, but we're juggling a lot of balls. And I really have to make sure I'm filled up. I can't get on that with her. And, and, you know, I've got to really see. You know, Todd always talks about putting a circle around yourself, and that's the only thing you can change. I think we need to include, that circle's not very big. So, you know... The the circle of laundry. I think you pray about it. Of course, you got to do laundry. But I would, if I had to, to do over again, I think I would have worn shake and goes. I'm an ironer. Way back in the 90s, the 1890s, I love to iron. That's my. I love to pray. In fact, if somebody needs somebody to iron something, just bring me your basket. I'll pray over it and I'll iron it. I love to iron. And so I iron everything. In fact, my husband said when we first got married, you iron my socks, so I ironed his socks and put them on a skirt hanger and hung them in his closet. I thought that would be funny, but I just, I think where shaking goes, I would wash my kids' clothes at night if I had it to do over again and just say, honey, what you're wearing today is in the dryer. Shake it and go. It's not that big of a deal. It really isn't. The smock dresses and all that look great, and I had my kids in that. But you know what? It really doesn't matter now that I look back on it. So where shaking goes, if laundry's your big deal, don't worry about it. Hey, it's not that big of a deal. But ask the Lord, where do I put this in my circle? Do, is this good for my family? Because you can't fit everything in your circle. You, you're not gonna experience joy if you fit that all in your circle. And so I would encourage y'all live, you know, really ask the Lord about that. Okay, here's a good to-do list. This should be everybody's to-do list. It shouldn't be everything else. It should be get ready for a fabulous day. Spend time loving on Jesus. Let Jesus fill me to the realm with his strength, his joy, and his wisdom for today. Expect God to use me and go out into the world and be an overcomer. I go into this one, we love snow. Gracie and I, we, I mean, we'd go every day if we could. And the little guy in there, I'm always like, Hi, how, how are you today? And he said, fine. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. We don't expect, fine. we don't, we don't, um, we don't take fine in our house. You have to be better than that. So either you're great or you're good or you're getting there. And so he's always like, I'm great. So, I mean, he's like, but now he knows when I walk in that I'm just going to be upbeat. In fact, Gracie and I went to Starbucks this morning. She was like, mom, do you have to talk to everybody that walks by? I said, yes, I do. Because I said, they might be, this may be the only smile and joy that they get today. And I'm going to give them some joy right now. So, Here, I love this. I'm grateful for the faces that join us around our table of daily life. Whether family, friends, or neighbors, our lives are filled to the brim and overflowing with the richness of relationships. That's what's important, guys. The bond of love that comes from walking in the way of faith with a determination to live deep and not fast. Deep and not fast. Sometimes we got to think about that. What does that look like, deep and not fast? Peace instead of the rat race. I hope on Craigslist there is an Overabundance of hamster wheels for sale, and it's all from you ladies tomorrow because you don't need that anymore. You've got Christ, you're out in the boat dropping your net, drop it. Ask the Lord where you should put your net before you even get out of bed. Ask Him, there's blessing the mess. This mama, look at all that that's going on, and she is turn your eyes upon Jesus. I mean, she is singing, she is happy. It's not bothering her. She's probably hoping she's going to vacuum up some of those toys. But all that noise, I mean, tune it out. Just think of it. You know, just think about you know the Lord. You know the Lord. Um, So just keep living like that. Gosh, live in the moment. Do you know there is great potential? These two love each other. They love each other so much. And I'm telling you, he has always been all in with our kids. Uh, My husband's always made like the best choices for our family as far as his job. He always had a job up until October where he could be there at 5 o'clock on a Friday if I needed him or or 5 o'clock on a Tuesday if I needed him or 4.30 if I needed him. He prioritized his family. And so I'm thankful for that because he is all in and they love each other. This is life, guys. These are the moments. Create those moments. Have fun. You know, be there. Show up. You know, we got to live deep and not fast. Life's got to be savored and enjoyed every season. I mean, know your season and adjust. If you've got a new baby with, in diapers and brand new and this and that, don't overcommit yourself. I used to tell my best, one of my best friends that we went to school, and she's got a daughter at AM as well, and she, I would say, one day I told her because she would just complain, 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 I'd say, uh, Kathy, quit wearing deodorant. And she said, what? And I said, keep your arm down. Don't volunteer for another thing because it wasn't fun for her. I just thought, she's like, don't wear deodorant. I'm like, I'm just telling you, keep your arm down. Because when you're overcommitted like that, you don't enjoy what you're doing. Okay, let's see. Okay, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That means entirely. I did not see, I watched you women come in here and sit down. I didn't see anybody do one of these. Is this chair going to hold me? You trusted in it. Do you trust in the Lord like that? When you sit down, do you trust in the Lord that he's going to hold you up? Do you trust in him when you sit down? I mean, everybody looks like they're resting in their chair. Nobody's like shaky, like, oh, this is not going to hold me up. How do you trust in the Lord? Um, Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. Which side do I put the net on, Lord? You need to tell me. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as he he has said. He will set your path straight. It was funny, I was trying to explain that. My Gracie is a worry wart. And we go through a lot of times where she's worried, worried. And so we've really, and so the other night we were at the dinner table and we were talking about, my husband said, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that says, about worry, don't worry about tomorrow because today i will have enough trouble of its own and, you know, don't worry about... It. And I was like, that's Matthew 6, 33 through 34. And in one version, it says, live one day at a time. So Gracie kind of took all that in and she went up to her room. She comes running down with her Jesus calling. Mom, look at Jesus calling. It's got Matthew 6, 34. And I was like, you know what, Grace? Not only did your earthly father point you there, but your heavenly father pointed you there. He wants you to get that. Trust. She's really scared about people getting sick. And so she, she worries. She's a worrywart. And I'm like, Oh, but I tell you when Blaine lost his job back in October, I knew because Gracie said to me one day, I said, Hey, let's go to uh, Chick-fil-A tonight. And she said, we can't go to Chick-fil-A dad doesn't have a job. We can't afford it. I said, really? I said, Gracie, listen, I go, you know what? Your job is to be a kid your dad and I will sit all three of y'all down if we can't afford it. And we will tell you, we can't afford to go to Chick-fil-A now, so we're gonna have to reel it in. But I said, until then, you live life and be a kid. Now, there's a lot of times I'm gonna admit over that seven months, mainly, which is so ridiculous because I kept thinking about insurance and that kind of thing when you've got two new drivers. I mean, just, you know, those overwhelming things at my seat. I was kind of checking my chair. I wasn't trusting. But I will tell you, I said to myself, I'm either going to trust or I'm going to worry. And there's a big set of eyes on me. So there's some times I was, I was, and I was like, oh, I'm trusting. I'm like, I'm not going there. I'm trusting. He's going to work out all the details. And I'm telling you, it empowered me to get through. And then he got a job and he started in June. So steep your life in God reality and in, in God initiative. I mean, God provision. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your today human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God's doing right now. And don't get wrapped up about what may or may not happen. Do you know most of the things we worry about don't even happen? God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the hard times come or when the times come. So don't be anxious, and that was one of the big things. One thing I said, one bubble I don't know, I know it when it's in your family, but I don't know what this means. I don't know if I was diagnosed with cancer. I don't know if I could have the joy, but I know somebody that does, and did. And I want Randy to come up and talk to y'all a second. Do we have a microphone that she could use? Okay, so this is Randy. Sweet Randy Weitzman, for people that don't know, and she's a sweet friend of mine. And I want her to just share with y'all because she did get that diagnosis. And I'm telling you, nobody has lived it out like she has with joy. And, and I will tell you, when you, when you worry and, and really the trust, an untested faith is an unreliable faith. And so that's how God takes us deeper. None of us. Okay, I'm going to let you go and talk since you're a little mic'd up. Okay.
2: Um, so I'm Randy Wideman, and I am, I'm like so totally jittery um, and humbled to be on stage with Millie Hale because I'm obsessed with her. Um, and you should be too. And um, as I tell a little bit of my story, there were many, many, many nights where I struggled with insomnia and I didn't sleep. And so I would just sit there and I would listen to the nest for hours and hours and hours, night after night after night. And so I feel like I've heard every one of the Nest talks like from the beginning of time until now. And so the Nest just has this really, really uh, special place in my heart because it was a lot of times God's fuel for me to get through the next day. So um, thanks, Millie, for letting me be a part of this. so, just the little backstory on it is, um, when I was 27, um, and my little, sw- my sweet baby girl McKinley is now three. But when she was 10 months, um, I stopped breastfeeding her, and um, I found a lump in my breast, and I thought, oh, it's absolutely a milk duct, and really didn't even give it a second thought. Like I'm a person that goes a million miles per hour, like as Millie's saying, you know the person that you know, needs to stop wearing deodorant so they raise their hand, like my community group was like, we need to tell you that, Randy. Um, Cause I just I I go 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 go, and so I wasn't even going to stop and like think, you know, that that could be that it could be bad. And so fast forward to October, that was in July. Fast forward to October, McKinley is 14 months old, and um, I go to my OB and you know just to get my annual appointment. And she was like, "Yeah, I bet it's a milk duct, Randy, but it's kind of weird. It hasn't gone down. It's probably nothing. Let's um, let's just go and get it checked out." And I'm like, "Okay, well, praise God, they run all these tests." Um, And sure enough, it came back that I had um, stage 2B breast cancer, and it had spread to my lymph nodes, and um, I was completely um, shocked and and blown away, and um, I I got a call in the middle of a, on on a Monday, in the middle of the day, and of course, I'm just weeping, you know, as I call my husband, and um, I'm like, baby, it's cancer, I I can't even say it, you know, I don't... I can't even believe it. And um, he is, my husband is just a rock and he's so faithful. And he's like, Randy, like, it's going to be okay. Like, this makes no sense. Like, you have no risk factors. You know, like, clearly God is up to something so much bigger than, like, we can possibly understand right now. Um, Because if it doesn't make sense to us, then it must make really good sense to the Lord. And, um, you know, God is so faithful that that night, um, Monday nights, I, my husband and I lead young life in Allen and, um... A week before that, before any of, like, the diagnosis, I had uh, planned my campaigners, which is like Bible study for Young Life, for that Monday night to be on why does bad stuff happen to good people? Like, where is God in the midst of evil? And I had planned it, you know, 10 days, a week before that, and that night, right after getting that diagnosis, I had to go to Young Life, and I had to tell all of my sweet girls, You know, and I I didn't even tell him that night that I had cancer. But it was like God knew all of his truth that I was going to need to pour over. You know, that he had planned it way before I ever knew any bit of it. You know, that my heart would be coated in, like, God's truth. Like, why would something icky like cancer happen to me? When I I was like, God, I love you. Like, I love you. I'm trying so hard to be faithful, and I have this little baby. And, um... And that night, my husband was was faithful to remind me this morning, and I, I really don't remember. But you know, we we were praying that night before we went to bed, and um, I was crying again. And um, Matt said that I was like, "Lord, if you use this cancer to bring one person." to know you, um, then I would take it over my whole body. And, like, I don't remember praying that, so I think he might have made that up to make me feel better. Because um, I was like, that is a bold prayer. Um, but um, I just think right then, because I knew that God was up to something big, it, I was able to... Um, to find joy in the midst of all of it. And so I had a double mastectomy and that meant that I couldn't hold my McKinley for 6 weeks, which you guys know if you, if you have a 14-month-old, you know, baby girl, she was 15 months at that point. Um you know, that is like the worst thing ever for a mom. And like I couldn't even put her in her car seat in our car, you know, and I really it was like God was saying like Randy, when you can't hold her, I can and and I am and I've got her and I was like okay lord I'm going to choose joy and then I had to go through 16 rounds of chemotherapy and reconstructive surgery and, and all that, that stuff. And um, we were that semester in a Bible study, studying the book of James. And James 1 says, Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. And I had read that and I knew it, known it before. But it was like when I was so sick and I couldn't, I couldn't do anything, and I was at the very end of Randy. I realized like, what it meant to have joy, and it means, like, when we have nothing, that Jesus is everything, and I look back on that, that year of, of being sick, and I'm like, Lord, you're so faithful, like, I have never been more in love with Jesus than I was the year that I was sick, you know, and it was, um, and he was so faithful, like, that prayer that I prayed the first night, that someone would come to know him, y'all, like, that summer, at the end of my chemo, I got to go to Young Life camp, and um, I had this a bald head, which to me was the most awful thing in the world, and um, and I was so devastated, you know, that I would have this bald head, and I would always wear my cute wigs and um, act like I wasn't sick. And um, anyway, I I got to, to take off my wig and share my my story of God's, you know, faithfulness in my life at a Young Life camp, and. Um, these two sweet girls and this boy came up to me afterwards and they were just crying and um, they were like, Randy, we um, we want that joy. Like if Jesus can make you beautiful, like help us to be beautiful. And um, so I got to pray with all three of them right there to accept Christ. You know, and they've become some of my most faithful friends since then. And I was like, Lord, that was worth it. Like, it was so worth it. And I I made a list last year in October, a year from when I was diagnosed, I got declared no evidence of disease, which is amazing. You know, praise the Lord. And I made this long list that day of everything, like, that I was thankful for in my cancer. And Y'all, my list of the things I was thankful for was like five times longer than the things I hated about it. And I was like, that is just Jesus. That he would turn the most gross, broken things in our lives and he would make them so beautiful. And, like, I hope that none of you guys ever, it takes cancer to realize that. But, but the Lord knew my stubbornness, you know, and my all-about-me world. And, and he was like, Randy, I love you so much. I'm going to allow you to carry this cross so that you know that I'm it. And I'm like, that's joy when we get it that he's it.
0: Wow. <clears throat> Thank you so much.
2: Thank you so much. Hey, I couldn't have done that good on
0: that. That was amazing. You want to take that? Um, I'm technologically unsavvy. Did you not learn that earlier when I put my mic on backwards? Jeez, she is. got to keep training her. Um, now, my last thing. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, and to know her is exactly what you see. I mean, she, her heart is exactly that. Um, The last thing, and I don't even have a slide for it, was about people and about sandpaper people. And I will tell you, it's so sweet because this is where I probably struggle the most. I have a couple people in my life, one in particular, but that I really struggle with. And and it's so frustrating because when I pray about when I'm around her, that the Lord will give me, you know, sweet, kind words to say just in case I have to eat them because typically that's what happens. And I'm always thinking, ooh, these size 10s just don't feel good in my mouth. Um, But I tell you, because I put my foot in my mouth every time, and I'm so disappointed in myself. I walk away going, Lord, I thought I was a better Christian than that. I thought I was stronger than that. But it's just one of those things that I keep going back. And every time I feel I get stronger and stronger, but it's just hard. I have to focus on grace. And God didn't make any oopses. And there's people in our life that are going to sharpen us. And sometimes that sandpaper, it sometimes polishes and shines, and so when we're around those people, we've got to focus on grace. One thing, Josephine, when she would come to my house, we would always pray because her sisters were just... They didn't know Christ at all. And the blessing was I would get out my little water and I would get some food coloring because I'm a visual person and I would drop in. I go, you know, maybe you need to stay away from them because your clear, clean and pure heart is getting tainted by these sandpaper. But just keep praying for them. Well, this is, you know, 20 years ago I've been with Jojo and it's always been her, her sisters, her sisters, her mother, you know, she loves them, sends money, does all these things and they just don't respond. Well, then she sends me a text. A couple of months ago, and she says, we just got baptized. And she showed me her and her daughter and her sister, one of her sisters, and five of their family members got baptized. Do you know how sweet that was and how faithful that is? And so I would just tell you as I'm going back to keep praying, keep praying for those people. Okay, real quick, I'm just going to go through, I love Paul, and I wrote down this because I just want to walk through this real quick. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, because I think there's so much truth here on the very last page. It says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. God's calling us, ladies, stand firm, no truth, stand firm. That's the only way you're going to be able to stand firm. Now, I don't know how to pronounce these names, but I'm going to give it a try. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche. That's how I heard a scripture. When, I mean, a, a guy talking one time, Tony Evans, as a matter of fact, and he said, "Sentiki," and I kind of liked it because, you know, this morning, uh, lately in the last six years, people look at my name, Millie, M-I-L-O-Y-E, and they call me Miley. And the Lord has said, and I'm like, Miley, really? If my name had been in the Bible, do you really? I'm like, I think that would be the wrong book for Miley. But I mean, you know, it's like that name just doesn't go, but people would mispronounce it. I went to go get bagels this morning and the lady goes, well, hello, Miley. I was like, it's Millie. I was like, come on. I just, you know, it's just because that name is just so out there right now. So it's, says, I plead with these women. Yes, I ask you, everybody in the church, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. Ladies, there's two women right here, and I'll just say Syntyche and Uodi or whatever her name is. They are two women in this church, and one of them's breastfeeding and the other one isn't. But their names are written in the book of life, but they're getting caught up in these little, oh, she's going to homeschool her kids. Well, she's sending her kids to private school. Those are these little disunity things that keep, our, keep us from experiencing Christ. So deal with those things. Lean into people that you know their names are written in the book of life. You know they're, that they've got that when they get to heaven, they're going to, they're going to see the Lord. And you know that lean into those people and love them well. And Paul's calling his church, you know, his people to love each other. It says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. We should rejoice every day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Rejoice is joy again. This is the only time that a command is repeated twice in a row. So so Paul is saying, y'all need to get this. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. If you have a baby at your chest right now, the Lord is closer than that. He's in your heart. He is near. He's not like at the gate. Remember what we talked about? He's in your heart. Tap into him. Ask him what you need to do. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, present your request to Christ. He will trans I mean he transcends all understanding. It always works out better than you could have even guessed and he'll guard your hearts and your minds. Um, now, this is the one I love because, you know, I think we walk around. Do you walk around like this? Because really, we, so we talked about this in community group. I brought this up and somebody said, oh yeah, that's like that game headbands. Well, we didn't have headbands back when I was there. But do you walk around like this? Oh yes, my husband didn't take out the trash. And oh, I've got all this laundry to do. And I've just got all this stuff. Are you walking around and you're focused? Whatever is true, whatever's noble, whatever's praiseworthy, whatever's right. There's so many different translations. Girls, whatever you're dwelling on is how the condition of your heart is going to be. You've got to think it first, and then that becomes an action, and then it turns into a feeling. You don't feel your way in. You've got to think about it. So what are you dwelling on? Are you dwelling on truth? We've got to put that. This is a key verse, I think. And I think I heard it one time a long time ago called "Stinking Thinking." And I said, Rejo- I rejoiced greatly in the Lord, and at last you re- renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were c- concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Uh, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content. There's a secret to that, y'all. We've got to love what we have. not We just can't want all these things. And be content where you are. One other thing I'm going to say, and I didn't mention this in the distractions, but it's a big deal to me. Girls, I see y'all using your cell phones for, for Scripture and go back to the tangible Bible. Do you know the greatest thing my older daughter said to me? She goes, mom, when you die, I want your Bible. She knows that's my treasure. She knows that's what, what steers me a lot of the time. Not all the time. I'm going to always fall short. And I've got good friends. Jill Moore told me a couple years ago, Millie, I don't feel like you're all into, in, into uh, community. And, she, and I, re, I thought about that. And at first I was kind of defensive and bowed up. And I thought, oh, I'll show her, but then when I prayed about it and I asked God, God was like, she's right, Millie. You're not all in. And I have jumped back in, and it is my blessing it is my blessing. I need those ladies. So, girls, if God's saying that to you, because I will tell you right now, get back to writing in your Bibles. Get back to pulling out your Bibles. You know, your kids when they they don't know if you're watching 125 moms on Instagram or if you're looking up God's Word. They don't know. But if they see you pull out that Bible, I'm just telling you. I'm pleading with you. I, it's a big deal. I don't go anywhere without my Bible. And because I really have it in my car at all times, because my kids didn't have cell phones, if they said five o'clock pickup, I had to be there at 445. And so then my son goes, well, at 6.15, I would have called you, but I didn't have a phone. I was like, no big deal. I've been doing my Bible study. I've been looking at that. This has been such a sweet time that the Lord provided for me. I'm so glad you didn't get out till 6.15. I'm refueled. I'm ready to go. I will tell you this. Is what I feel like joy is. Joy is this. Joy is when those balloons, it's filled up by the Lord, when your face and your heart is light, and you walk to somebody and say, Hey, I've got oh, you don't you're having a hard day today? Oh man, how can I encourage you? Come, all ye who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest for your soul. Girls, this is life giving. It's life. Choose life. I'm just begging you. So, I mean, they're going to have some table questions for you, and I'm going to be after here if anybody wants to talk about anything. Please call me. I will tell you, talking about trust, I have friends that I could call. I could call Jill Moore and Holly Barnett today and say, you know what, I'm not going to be at the Nest um, Friday the 3rd, 2015. They're like, oh, let me check my calendar. And they'll put it down. I have friends that I could call, and I could say, hey, can you work for me tomorrow at school? And I promise you I'd call her the next morning because not that I don't trust her, but she just, she doesn't remember things. So if you ever call me, I'm that friend too. I will do anything for anybody, but if you text me and say, can you meet with me? Hold me accountable. That is just not my, organization is not my greatest. You know, God didn't really wire me that way, but my joy is to meet with y'all and I will do it. And that's what gives me life. encourages me is to see you girls trying to grow in Christ. So I think all our, all us mentor moms feel that way. So please reach out to us. Great. Thanks, Millie. Thank you. I'm going to have one little thing to wrap up with. Oh, but I mean, I can wrap up with that later and then you can ask her questions. I, I, this is my last thing. Be the kind of woman that when your
1: feet hit the floor every morning, the devil says, oh crap, she's up. Okay, ladies, um, at your tables, table leaders, two questions. Um, What is your biggest takeaway? And second, is there anything you need clarity on or any further questions? So take about ten minutes here to talk about that. And then if there's any questions that your table leaders can't answer, write them down on the note card, and we'll come around and collect them. Thanks. If you have any unanswered questions, go ahead and walk them, table leaders, or I'll raise your hand and I'll come get them. Okay, okay, we've got a few questions. Did anybody else have any more questions that they were gonna write down? Gosh, I was yelling. Sorry
0: about that. Hello. Hello. Okay, somebody had asked um, if they could get a copy of the slides. I think they're gonna put those on, who asked? That? <laughs> a copy of the slides. I'm such a visual person. I have to do all the uh, copy of the slides. They will be on the Facebook page. But I do think the slides help you kind of envision what's going on. So if you want to, I do think that's helpful. It's always helpful to me. Um, Somebody asked about an untested faith is an unreliable faith. I will tell, I mean, they wanted to know that whole statement that I made. An untested faith is an unreliable faith. And I will tell you, the minute uh, Randy started talking about um, just once she'd gone through her cancer, it reminded me of Isaiah 40, three, which I saw this all throughout my parents' cancer. My mom's had cancer that went from her kidney to her brain over the last three years. And, and God's, promise. I I remember, and I'm just going to share this real quick. I remember being in the hospital room and I had volunteered to stay with my mom after she got her kidney removed. And I remember standing in the hospital, it was 1030. I was exhausted from the whole day. Um, And I remember them coming and my brother and I said, I'll stay with mom all night. So, you know, I kind of pulled my chair out and that makes a bed and I kind of fluffed it up and got me some blankets and everything. Well, my mom's beepers kept going off and the nurse kept coming in. Sally, you got to breathe. Sally, you got to breathe. And I was like, holy smoke. She's going to have to remind her to breathe. I thought, I'm going to have to do this. So I remember just getting all anxious and thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. I'm not going to be able to stay awake. And about that time, Becky Duncan, Todd Wagner's secretary, texted me and said, want you to you know I'm praying for you. I mean, I couldn't push call fast enough. I was like, oh my gosh, Becky, I'm in here with my mom. She's not breathing. And I mean, the nurse keeps coming in to remind her. And Becky said, oh my gosh, I'll pray for you about that. Girls, about three or four in the morning, the nurse comes in and goes, man, I need about 10 of you. I was massaging my mom's feet. I was singing over her. I was praying over her. It was like, it was Isaiah 45, three, write this down. It says, I will give you treasures in darkness, riches stored in secret places so that you might know that I am God. Or I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summoned you by name. If you're a believer, God summons you by name. And in those dark places, he's going to give you treasures. So I really think that, you know, that was just a little thing that I remember that, you know, when I was beyond myself. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was scared. I mean, my little bed, I kind of popped it back up. I made it a chair again. I knew I wasn't going to get any sleep, but that was okay. I was laying there or sitting there watching my mama just massaging her feet with lotion and loving on her, and that was what was so good. Okay, so any practical advice on how you put the phone away? And I think the girls, Holly, and I mean, you know, like I said, I just got my little iPhone a year ago, so I'm not that fancy. I mean, fancy on it. Try it.
3: It's on. Oh, you're on, I was going to share a story I heard this week about um, a mom with little bitties. And I guess she did like what a lot of us do, which is run around with your phone in your front pocket or your back pocket or sometimes in your sports bra or whatever because you always have your phone with you. And so this mom had put her phone down and had left the room. And her little child, like, you know, imagine a -a two-and-a-half-year-old, mommy, mommy, mommy. I mommy, mean, here's your phone. Like, Mommy would die if Mommy did not have the phone. Like, it was life support for Mommy because this child was so used to Mommy having the phone all the time. And so just think about that. Um, and we were, some of us that are my generation were talking about, you know, we didn't have a cell. When I went to college, I just, we, had, we, we did actually have dial tone phones. We didn't have the rotary I'm not quite that old, but no one had an answer machine. No one had a cell phone. Can you imagine being in college without a cell phone? No texting, no, none of that. And we survived. We managed, ladies. So it's like, if if your children are with you, just put the phone away. Just put it away because you don't want their memory of you and they will remember you. Are you always on your phone? Is your phone like permanently attached to you? Think about that what kind of imagery you're creating in their mind of how you are with your phone. And I know Jill and Millie have more to add to that, too.
0: I have to
4: tell y'all, when our kids were in about, oh, second grade, maybe, on Mother's Day, they were asked to write a poem about us and kind of act out, you know, some things about their mom. And it was a sweet little tea that we all came to, and we were all sitting there. And, I mean, they're young enough not to know, you know, I mean, they're going to tell the truth, and uh, there were way too many who worked into their little poem. And this wasn't even, we didn't even have, well, we did have cell phones, but they weren't anything like attached to us at all then because uh, they were too big. But um, they, the phone at home from the wall that actually had the cord or the, mobile f- or the what do you call it, uh, cordless phone, yeah. They, I mean, there were one too many kids that said, drew a picture of their mom, you know, on the phone. Or the, my mom, you know, I don't know. It was just very plain to see um, through their pictures, through their words, what they really thought. And they, they were so cute and being so loving and not trying to make fun. But at that age, we all were just like looking at each other like, mm-hmm. wow, you know. And then there'd be the one that would say, it was so cute. Um, <laughs> they talked about their home and we all knew, you know, each other's homes and, and the kids would say, one of them said, we live in the biggest house you've ever seen. And y'all, it wasn't at all. They just thought it was because they're, they loved you know, where they lived and their mom loved where they lived. And just talking about contentment, it was great to see that come through the eyes of your kid. So if you're content, they're going to know it. And if you're not, they're going to know it. So...
0: And I think adding to that, you know, you always you always say you want the house where all the kids come. We don't have the house where all the kids come. We don't have a lot of bells and whistles. We have one computer. We, I mean, really, we kind of are back in the stone age. I'm listening to Holly. We really did walk to school two miles uphill in the snow. I mean, you know, we were kind of back in that age. And so right now, my kids, we are not the house where everybody comes. And I'm kind of thankful for that. Not that I don't want their friends to be there. They're welcome anytime. And when they do come, because Sally's friends love to come from A&M, and m and we We just roll out the whatever, we bunk up, we do whatever we have to do. But we have one room where we all go and we all sit and we're all together. And they don't go to their rooms. They don't go to their bedrooms. I mean, we have a three bedroom house They've shared rooms all their life. Sally and, and Gracie still share a room, but we just bunk up. We enjoy it. It's like scoot over. And so I'm thankful for that. So, I mean, you know, really just try to be content in what you've got. And really, it's okay if you're not the house where everybody goes, yeah, it's nice. T- I mean, it would be nice, I think, sometimes. But for that one night after a dance for everybody to come to your house, I'm like, I like it. That my kids, we run into each other.
4: One more thing on that. We're not the house either. And that was kind of something in my head. I always wanted to be that house where everybody came. And Millie is totally right. Um, <laughs> she wanted the patio. I want a pool. I mean, I've just said, Lord, <laughs> I'm be honest with you. I really want a pool because that's where the kids go. They go to swim. It doesn't matter if they're 16 or they're 4. They want to swim. And that is not going to happen in our family. Um, my husband has been clear. I need to just be like, Great. But what happens is when they're not always there... Like Millie said, it's super special when they are. And you're inviting you know, these two that you really want to be with or, or these particular girls or boys. And if we can make it memorable and the house full of love, it is where they're going to want to come. And if they're there once or ten times, you know, it needs to be that. So if you don't have a pool or you don't have what you want to attract those kids, make it the love that is attractive to them because kids will flock if you... Invest in them and you engage them and ask them questions about their lives. So, where,
0: well, and Allison. I was going to say, you know, the, I think the one thing about, and I'm going to let Allison tell her a little phone tips, but we're like on this we're, little we're subject.
1: Get about, to the practical phone tips. We
0: love, we love the round table at our house. And I went out specifically and got a round table because I love to see my people's faces. And so I searched long and hard. But I'm telling you, the, we still to this day, when we can all pull together, I mean, sometimes, guys, it is peanut butter and jelly, and that's okay. It doesn't matter what you have. Go buy, pick up some McDonald's hamburger. What, y'all, nobody eats at McDonald's really, but go. But whatever it is, cut it, do it, just have it. Whatever's good for you. But that family dinner and that time together, and we do table topics and we do all that, and we can sit at the table for an hour and a half now and just laugh and talk. And you know that's where it's richness there, and that's what taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed
1: is he who finds refuge in Him. Psalm thirty three thirty four eight. Go for it. Practical right. tips. Some practical tips on how to put your phone away. Funny enough, our leadership team was meeting and we were talking about this topic. And um, all of us were talking about like just where are areas that the Lord is, is calling you, things he's calling you to do, and you're being disobedient. And it was funny. All 12 of us, like it was something to do with media. And phone stuff. And so, um, some things that we all took a challenge, a 30 day challenge ourselves to, to ch- make some changes. And so, what our team is doing, I've heard um, some people are, are, their phone is always plugged in at their house on a countertop. Um, Volume might be on vibrate or it might be high enough because if you think about it, if it's an emergency, someone's going to call. Text messages, they're not going to text if it's an emergency. So um, the idea of my phone is away, it's not on me and I have to go to it to see what's going on. All the notification dinghies that go off for Facebook Mm -hmm. and email, turn all of those off and just have your ringer. Um, Don't don't be notified with a noise that you have a text or whatever. Um, Some other thoughts are I'm only going to look at my social media that I enjoy, whether that's Twitter or Facebook or Pinterest, um, when the kids are asleep. So that's nap time or, or before they wake up or after they go to bed, something like that. Um, I've also heard people talk about in the car. Um, I know I am, this was mine. I'm super guilty of texting when I'm in the car, which is so ridiculously stupid. Sorry dumb. And I do because they're watching me and like at stoplights, I'll pull it out. And it's just like this ridiculous habit of needing to feel like I'm in the know of things. And it's not like I can respond to anything, but I feel the need to read whatever came in right away. And so my thing is my phone is down. It's not on me. I don't touch it unless I need a map of some sort, which I need to start before I start driving. Um, or if I need to make, I need to make a phone call. And so I'll pick it up to make that phone call. Um, so those are some practical tips. Um, I'm trying to remember if there's anything else leadership team. Does anyone I have? I think that's good. though. I mean, really, and mm-hmm. put it in the trunk mm-hmm. or put it in the backpack and that way you're not even tempted to say, hey, do you mind yes. handing me the
0: phone? I have you 'll know, put it where you cannot reach it and you know good and well you can't reach it unless you pull over. I think that's good. Great. One last thing I was going to tell you, my mom and my sister and I, my dad is always gracious enough to send us to Lake Austin Spa every year. So we went this year and my mom and my sister are still not there. I mean, they don't read their Bibles and that's fine. It's just they, you just realize the conversations that you have that just are Oh, well, how did UT Rush go and did she have the right car and did she have the right this or whatever? I mean, it's just all the right, you know, just things. It's just conversation. It just doesn't. But these two ladies, we sat at the friendship table. These two ladies sat down, and so they started. I said, what y'all do all day? You know, she can go to cooking classes and exercise and water aerobics. And they looked at each other and said, oh, we sat in our room and prayed all day. I said, oh, what room are you in? Like, are y'all going to do that? Yeah. And my mom and my sister look at each other like, oh, great. We know where this is going for all the dinner. Well, come to find out, this lady was a, is a spiritual advisor for people in prison and she actually went on death row with Carla Faye Tucker and she gave me this book to read and I kind of put it by the side It is the most fabulous book of joy and forgiveness I've ever seen. And to see Carla Faye Tucker, well, last week she sent me all these videotapes, and I'm not going to go through it, but Carla Faye Tucker was raised in a home that was prostituted out. She was on drugs for five days when she killed two people with a pickaxe. And it just one thing, it was just a bad situation. She had that spiritual legacy. She had a box of rags handed to her, and it wasn't a good upbringing. But these people came to the prison, and she wanted, before she was committed to death row, she wanted to get out of her cell to go and to church because she could get out of her cell and socialize. So she goes and she sees these people coming in. It wasn't Linda at the time because she wasn't on death row yet, but they had so much joy in their heart and their faces. And she said, what is that? I want it. And so she saw some Bibles on the, to- on the table. She went up and stole one. That's all she knew how to do. And she took it back to her cell and she read it. And it was such a wonderful picture of how she fell to her knees. She goes, I don't even remember what I was reading, but I fell to my knees and I cried out to God. And so Linda. The sweet lady that wrote this sent me all these one-on-one videotapes of her, and I'm not going to end up getting to show the videotape, but I wanted to read this to you that a lady wrote about Carla Fay. Carla was a murderer who said yes to God. She passed every test. She did not stumble once through the most severe trials. She walked with the glory of the Lord upon her with clarity and joy, never doubting his faithfulness. She used her time in prison to train for her final moments. Every day God put before her life and death, Each time she chose life, and that choice resulted in the joy we saw in her. As she became a stronger Christian, she ministered that strength and joy to anyone who would receive it, always pointing to him and away from her. And I tell you, ladies, I think we're in the stage right now where we're choosing life. We're all on death row, really. I mean, but she called it life row. And, she, and, and Linda's husband said to her, oh, if, they part, if George Bush pardons you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna blow the shofar horn. And she said, Linda, Carla Faye said, blow it anyway. If I'm going to meet my savior, that's okay. That's a win, but you carry my story of joy. And to see these videotapes, I'm sad. She, she, she expressed her joy through sign language. And if you look up the song Ray Bolts." thank you for the, thank you for giving me the, giving to the Lord. Yeah. I am a life that's been changed. And she signed this to Linda. And at the end, she went over and she took Glenda's heart out and put it here and she put hers there and she didn't cry one bit. I mean, I had Jill and them watch it. It was such a, that won't be on the internet, but just listen to that song. Guys, there's blessing given to the Lord. And you know what? Right now, I don't believe we're going to be held accountable for our children's salvation. I do believe we're going to be held accountable if we're not, if we're distracted and we're not Deuteronomy 6. But you know what? God's taking auditions right now and he's writing a playbill and you can be a lead role but you got to choose that. And I think each one of your children and your husband is saying, I want you. So don't miss out on it, okay? I pray for each one of you as I send you off. Dear Lord, I thank you for these ladies. Fill them with joy. Let them, all the balls there and the balloons and stuff, the the things that they're juggling right now, let them realize that their true source of joy, it's your birthright. Uh, As my father-in-law always told me, there's two things we're going to experience, tastes of heaven, and that's joy and peace. Let them experience that now as they go forth to pick up their kids. Let their faces light up and tell their kids right when they see them, I love you and I value you. Um, I just ask you in your name, precious Lord, amen. Thank you, ladies. Y'all have a blessed day.